peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope Clothed in man 
Say yes to the Lord today. We thank you, God, how great you are. How great you are, God. You are worthy to be praised. How great. sings my soul then sings my soul my savior god to thee my savior god sing it how great thou Jake Talbert, filling in for Pastor Rick Hayes until a miracle can happen with his son and he can get back to what he's called to do. Amen? Amen. Also, if you haven't been here, I have the toes of an orangutan in the zoo. <laughs> and uh, Wayne said he's had this thing on Friday night. It's called Market in the Park. And I wore sandals there Friday night. And nobody said a word. Because most people look at the face, as I said last week. <laughs> hey, once again, happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room, all the father figures in the room. We appreciate you and all you do for, for children, teenagers, and, and even grown children like myself. Um, today, we're continuing the series on Joshua. Last, year, last week, we talked about Joshua's encounter with the Son of God, and this week, we're talking about Joshua's encounter with, with the Father. You see, we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so we're hitting on all of them. Today we're talking about Joshua's encounter with the Father because it is Father's Day. It just seemed appropriate. So if you have your Bible this morning, go to Exodus chapter 33. I'm not going to take up much of your time that you could spend with your family today. Let me just say to all the fathers as well, Great job getting your family to church on Sunday. Did you know the top three attended Sundays throughout the year, Easter, Christmas, those are the easy ones, right? Mother's Day is number three. Father's Day is one of the lowest attended Sundays of the year of churches all across America. And that's sad. I think that's sad. Um, more men should be stepping up and bringing their families to church on Sunday. You got the rest of the day that you can spend with your family and do whatever you need to do. But we should be making Christ and his church a priority. Amen? Amen. Hey, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 33. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. Moses wrote it. It's, a, it's all about Moses' life, especially his, his life after the age of 80. At the age of 80, Moses had an experience with this burning bush. God spoke to him and said, go back to Egypt where you were born and free my people, the Israelites. Moses happened to be an Israelite himself. And so Moses went back to Egypt, confronted Pharaoh, the king. God brought a bunch of plagues on, on Pharaoh because he refused to let God's people go. Eventually, he did, and they migrated out of Egypt. We call that an exodus. There you go. By the way, this is just because I'm a little nerd sometimes. Uh, you know Southern Illinois is called Little Egypt, right? Yeah. I'm from the bean capital of Little Egypt. <laughs> Sticking my chest out on that one. 
Uh, <laughs> little, it's called that, maybe you don't know, maybe you do. It's called Little Egypt because back in the 1800s, like late 1800s, there was a big time uh, famine in northern Illinois, big time drought, and a bunch of people moved from northern Illinois to southern Illinois. Little Egypt. Because of the story in Genesis, where there was a drought in the world, and the Israelites moved to Egypt. There you go. Yeah. A little history on Sunday. Local history. What do they say on that Wayne County Historical Society Facebook page? Don't let local history be a mystery. <laughs> so in Exodus, we've, we see the Israelites move out of Egypt. They are, they're going towards the promised land, the land that God has promised to them, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of their family. <clears throat> and they uh, are exiting. They're out of there. They're in the wilderness now. They've crossed the Red Sea. And God is establishing a theocracy, a government run by God. God has laws that he tells Moses to write down. Basically, there's, at the root of all of them, ten that we call the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> and while Moses goes up on this mountain to get the Ten Commandments, the Israelites party like crazy uh, and go, go nuts, worshiping an idol, comes back down, he sees it, he gets mad, he throws down the tablets, he smashes them, which means that he needs new tablets, and he has to go back up to the mountain. Uh, but basically, wherever, uh, wherever they camp out, because they're living in tents until they can get to the promised land, Moses will set up a place outside of their camp where people can go meet with God. And we're going to look at that today in Exodus chapter 33. It's one of my favorite chapters of the Old Testament. Um, simply because of these five verses that we're going to read. So Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. That's deep, isn't it? It's the tent where you meet with God, the tent of meeting. That's a really creative name there, Moses. Uh, and, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. And whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship each at the entrance of his own tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face just as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses returned to the camp, his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, that was Joshua's dad's name, Nun. What were they thinking? Uh, a young man, Joshua was a young man, he would not depart from the tent. He would stay. And he'd spend more time with the father. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Father's Day. We thank you for all the dads in the room. God, we thank you that you're the best father of all, that you love us so much that you sent Jesus Christ to die for us. Lord, show us this morning from your word just how much you love us and you care for us. Help us to leave here changed and different than we were coming in. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to take this verse by verse. Uh, there's just four things I want to show you real quick. It won't take long. And then at the end, we're going to have a powerful time uh, at the altar. Okay, sound good? Everybody good? Strap her down, here we go. All right, verse 7 <laughs> says, And everyone who sought the Lord, what does sought the Lord mean? What does that mean to seek the Lord? Well, in a modern context, it means getting in God's word and praying, and sometimes putting on some worship music with it. And guess what? You can do that anywhere, not just at church. Sometimes I, I love to do it in my classroom when nobody else is in there. Sometimes I love to do it at home, especially when, especially when it's just you and God. When it's just you and God, those are the, the, like the sweetest times, aren't they? Um, sometimes it's in your car when you're driving. Uh, I remember being on the interstate one time, and man, this worship song just really, as the kids would say, hit diff, all right? Uh, <laughs> and man, I'm just bawling my eyes out. And I'm, I'm in my little 2002 Subaru Outback at the time that somehow ran for years. Uh, <laughs> that was a miracle from God right there. 
You ever placed your hands on your car dash and prayed that it would make it, I don't know, five more miles until you could get home? I did that for like five years. Uh, <laughs> and I'm on the interstate, somehow it's keeping up with 75 mile an hour <clears throat> and uh, without shaking. <laughs> and I get past, I'm just, man, I'm just crying. I look over and I open up my eyes. I wasn't, clo- wasn't closing my eyes the whole time while I was driving. Uh, <laughs> I open up my eyes and this guy's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? You know, and I'm just, just give him a thumbs up. God is good, you know. <laughs> Don't know if you understand. <laughs> but those times are really sweet where God just speaks to you sometimes, right? Um, especially when I was a youth pastor, I'd have those times where I would just pray for kids in our youth group. And it was just a powerful time. But here's the thing about Moses, Moses and Joshua, their time period. They could only meet with God at that tent of meeting. A cloud would descend upon the tent and they would talk with God, but that's the only place they could meet with God until Jesus died, rose again, and then went back to heaven because he said, hey, I'm going to send you somebody that will help you, the Holy Spirit. And now that we have the Holy Spirit, we take that cloud wherever we go. And so you can experience times of worship, just like we, we just had with our worship team leading us, you can experience that anywhere. And you can experience an altar time anywhere, wherever you go. Because wherever you step, because you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, is holy ground. Isn't that amazing? And if you can grasp that power right there, you can go anywhere. You can do anything that God wants you to do. Man. Uh, moving on, verse 8. It came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. This verse is the most depressing out of all the ones that we read. Moses and Joshua went out to meet with God. Were they the only ones allowed? No. It was open to everyone. And they chose not to go. Same is true today. There's people who are on, on the outside. You're just people who dip their toes in the pool but they don't jump in. You know what I mean? They're just not, they're not, they don't feel like swimming today or something like that. It's usually me. I, I don't care for swimming. <laughs> but with God, they just don't, they're not, they're still not sure. Well, you've been not sure for, for 30 years. Maybe it's time to get sure and see if God will do something with your life. Oh, man. Oh. If I say stuff like that, you may not come back next week. But if I say stuff like that, somebody's life might change and God might do something in their lives and in their family. That's the risk you take. And I guess I'll only sleep with both eyes closed tonight. Don't be on the outskirts any longer. I beg you, press into Jesus Christ today and every day. Don't be on the outside anymore. Give him your whole heart. See what he'll do. He'll do more than you could ever think or imagine. Whatever struggles you have, he'll take care of them. Whatever burdens you have, you won't have them anymore. You got family family members who have problems, put them into his hands. He'll take care of them. Mm, So depressing that people, they saw them manifested. They saw it with their own eyes, a cloud descending on that tent. And they said, I'm scared. Instead of saying, I want some of that. Mm. Just that verse alone will preach, won't it? Mm. Skip down to verse 10. We'll look at that a little bit more. It says, when they saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance, all the people would arise and worship. But at a distance goes back to what I just said. You don't have to be at a distance. You can come close to Jesus today. You can come close to his presence. Oh, man. That, 
that divide, he wants to bridge it. And he already did it with, with sacrificing himself on the cross. And if you give him all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, you'll see breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. He makes all things work together. I love that song. I love that song. Carlin emailed me his set list this week. I was like, love never fails. I love that. That's my jam. When, uh, when I was a youth pastor at Effingham, we didn't have a worship team to begin with, and we were starting one out. I had this guy playing guitar, and he was going to sing, and he was, around that time, Your Love Never Fails was really big, and I said, man, I'd, I'd love for you to sing this song right here. He said, okay, I can do it, and uh, he got to that word chasm, and he said, chasm. I have an English degree. That really bugged me. So maybe you're like him, and, and I understand. You see that word, and you think, well, it looks like, it looks like chasm. It's got C-H, right? And I understand that. But when you're corrected and you continue to do that, that's no longer my fault. <laughs> Back in my 20s when I didn't care about what people thought, now I'm in my 30s and I don't care what people think even more. Uh, <clears throat> I said... Don't do that. You look like an idiot. <laughs> Just, it, it's chasm. Looks like chasm. It's chasm, man. <laughs> Anyways, he makes everything work out for our good. Anything that seems like a curveball that we weren't expecting, he turns it to what we need. It's amazing. And it goes back to Jesus on a cross. Seems like there's no, no more hope. Hope. Oh, Three days later, he's back, and all hope is restored, and then some. Amen? Amen. Mm. Don't worship the Lord at a distance. Give him your whole heart. See what happens next. I guarantee you. What were those men's warehouse commercials? Remember those? Where the guy would say, I guarantee you'll like the way you look, you know, in those suits. And uh, I just want to say, you know, if you worship God with your whole heart and you press in, you're going to like the way you feel. <laughs> it's going to feel really good. <laughs> Finally, in verse 11, Joshua stayed longer than Moses. I don't want to knock Moses. He was a great man in the Bible. But he didn't get to see the promised land. Joshua did. And, and as we saw last week, he, he conquered. He conquered great cities like Jericho. And I can't help but make a little connection here that maybe the reason why he saw so much victory in his life was because he spent a little bit extra time with God the Father in the presence of God. And there's times where maybe you are in your car and you're, you're just singing to the Lord or maybe you're at home all alone and, and maybe you're, you're reading his word and you're in prayer and you're just praying for somebody and you feel like you gotta stay in that moment and for some reason, you know, somebody calls or somebody texts and there's a distraction that takes you away from it and the moment's over. I'm going to tell you today, that phone call and that text will wait. That notification on your phone will wait. Staying in the presence of God could produce something amazing. You could feel a breakthrough in your spirit on something that you're praying about. And you need it. And you need to stay there. That's more valuable than, than getting back to somebody. Listen, nobody cares about your time. And if that includes you, you have a problem. You have to protect your own time especially your time with Jesus. You see, Joshua prioritized the presence of God above all else. You know, maybe you're like me, and when you read the Bible, you read verses like that, your imagination kind of goes wild. And I can see Moses getting done talking to God face to face. And he says, all right, Joshua, it's time to go. Joshua goes, no, no, Moses, you go ahead. I'm going I'm to hang out here just for a little bit longer. 
Joshua, we got stuff to do. Moses, I just need, just need a few more minutes right here. Are you sure, Joshua? Yeah, man. Yeah. This is amazing, Moses. I, I've never been able to imagine something like this before. I was, I was born a slave in Egypt, and now I'm a free man. And I experience the, the presence of Almighty God on a daily basis. That's what we can experience too. You see, you make time for what you make time for. You prioritize what's number one on your heart. Every morning, I wake up. First of all, I take care of business. And then I get to my Bible. God's got something for me to say. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, he does have something for me to say. <laughs> but he's got something to say to me. He's got something to speak to me. He's got something that I need that particular day. You know, Job 23, 12 says that, uh, Job said, I desire your word more than my necessary food. I like food a lot. But I like God's word even more. It's led me and guided me through every difficult situation or choice I've ever had. Let me give you an example. This is why you take your Bible with you up to the pulpit. In case you all ever have that problem someday. Proverbs 19. Verse 14, house and wealth are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. October 19th, 2010. God spoke through that verse right there while I was eating chocolate donuts. <laughs> that Jenna was the right woman for me to marry. God's got something to say to you right here every day even in Leviticus. That's a tough book to get through. I'm going to end with two stories. I know I haven't preached long. That was my intention. I want you to spend time with your families today on Father's Day because it's all about quality time. You ever done one of those love language tests? My wife made me do one. I'm not really the touchy-feely guy. Quality time. It's one of those love languages. People, people prefer to spend time with someone rather than receive gifts or anything like that. Quality time. Let me tell you the first story. When I was a youth pastor at Effingham one year, I took some kids to church camp. Of course, I was in a guy's, guy's bunk. Had about five guys from, from Effingham. We had a service that night. This is a pretty big church camp. There's probably 500, 700 kids in the whole service. The guy that spoke, spoke on the verses that I just read, Exodus 33. Talked about Joshua staying in the presence of God. And then we had an amazing altar time. Little by little, all these teenagers started leaving. The worship team was still playing. Went from 700, probably to 500. Because after service, there's always ice cream and, you know, late night snacks. Kids get hungry. I was just staying in the presence of God, praying for the guys in my bunk. It got down to 250. 100. Pretty soon it was down to five. It was all five guys in my bunk. And the worship team quit. And my guys didn't. They kept praying, spending time with, with God. All five of them are wonderful young men. 
One's a youth pastor up in Urbana. One's a, a, a missionary to college campuses in Colorado. One of them runs a business for his dad. That's a gift from God because he's about 23. Got a kid and his dad's placed like all responsibility for five locations on him. The other two, I've kind of lost track of. But I've been thinking of them all week and I'm going to follow up. I know one of those guys served in the National Guard over in Jordan. And another one is probably going to eventually take over his dad's business someday. All five of those guys, even if they get away from God, they won't be able to escape that night that they spent at the altar just worshiping God and outlasting everyone else. And they didn't do it to show off or anything. They did it because they were in love with Jesus. And I can't get away from that. When I read these verses, I think of those guys. I can't help but think about how proud I am of them because they've grown up to be awesome men of God. And they allowed me, I'm so humbled, they allowed me by the Holy Spirit to speak into their lives. I love those guys. And those type of things can happen to you as well. They can happen to the young people in this church as well. I have one more story. I'm going to sit down for this, this one. I got a friend who used to pastor a church over at Alton. And he would sit down and at the very end, and he would tell a story. You know, sometimes I just like to sit down with people and just tell them something. Preferably with some sweet tea, something like that. The summer of 2010, I was living in Carbondale and, and doing youth ministry, and I felt like God wanted me to stay down there and try to grow our, our youth group a little bit. And I was searching for a job. And you find out when you move away from home that it's really hard to find a job when you don't know people. If I had come back to Wayne City for that summer, I would have found a job right off the bat. No problem. I wanted to try to make it work. I could not find a job. It was the first time in my life, I remember I'm a millennial, okay, that I felt like an abject failure. came home for Father's Day weekend sorry before my dad got home from work I mowed our lawn which is you know where my dad lives it takes about three hours to mow Saturday, spent time with him, just loafing and messing with tractors and stuff. Sunday, we went, we went to church. And afterwards, we came back home. We had both sides, both sets of grandparents there, and had lunch. Just going to go back to Carbondale that afternoon. getting ready to leave, get my Subaru that we were still amazed was running. Everybody was in the kitchen. I said goodbye to everybody. My dad said, I'm going to go out with you.
He probably doesn't even remember this. <laughs> we made some small talk. And all of a sudden, he kissed me on the cheek. I was 22 years old. And all he said was, thanks for coming home. And I cried like this all the way to I-57. You see, how we, how we view our biological or our earthly dad is how we view God. So not only did I feel like a failure to my own family, but I felt like a failure to God. And God doesn't care about how much you do for him. He just wants to spend time with you. And that's the moment in my life that I learned that. And I've never forgotten it. If the worship team would come back up. See, you're going to sing Good, Good Father, right? Yeah. I requested that one. Because you know what a good father wants? He wants nothing from his kids except respect and to spend a little time with his kids. This morning it was, or this whole week it's been hot, hasn't it? Usually after I read my Bible in the morning I I go out and run. I wasn't going to try that this week. But if you're like me and you have small kids, your kids wake up at the crack of dawn. My oldest son got up. I decided I needed to exercise anyways, so I was probably going to go out for a walk. My oldest son is six. I said, Alex, you want to you go on a walk with me? He was so excited. We did it for four days straight. He would talk my leg off. And sometimes I had no idea what he was saying or what he was talking about. But every once in a while I'd just say, I love our walks. And he'd go, I do too. Young people, all your dads want today is to spend some time with you. Old people, all your kids want from you is to spend some time with you. What God the Father wants is for you to spend some time with Him. And it's not that much of a sacrifice to make. So if you'd like that relationship today, I want to pray for you. If you don't have a dad in your life, you've been hurt or broken, I want to pray for you. If you do have a dad in your life who didn't treat you well, I want to pray for you. That's the altar call. They're going to sing, good, good father, and we're going to worship God. And I'm going to stand here. I'm going to wait for you to come up, and we're just going to pray. We're going to have a powerful time. Would you stand with me? Go ahead, Carlin.
Oh